Welcome to She's Running, the podcast all about women who are running for office, from school board to Senate and everything in between. I'm Emily Jackson. Today's guest is Beth Bowen, who is running for state representative in Michigan. The thing I love, love about all the candidates that I talk to is that they're just doing it themselves. They aren't worried about getting the Democratic or Republican Party behind them or waiting for someone to say, it's your time. These women have made their decision and said, no, now is my time. Too often, we find ourselves waiting for someone of authority to give us permission to go after our dreams. And I'm preaching just as much to myself as I am to anyone else. It's your damn dream. Give yourself permission. Then get to work. Your platform, which you've got listed on your website as workers' rights, funded public education, maintained infrastructure, and accountable government which are great, but it sounds more like an old school, like New Deal Democrat than, you know, some of the more way far left progressive platforms we've been seeing a lot more. I'm not saying you're not progressive. I know you are, but I'm just wondering why you chose, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, kind of to go more old school. You know, these are things that I believe in. These are things that the state of Michigan needs. But also, these are things that reflect the priorities of the district that I am looking to represent. Mm-hmm. The district that I come from is this really interesting mix of one township in the district, which is most of a county. One township is very urban and right next to the state capital. And the rest of the district is very rural and very agricultural and small villages and that sort of thing. And so you need to find those values and those priorities that we all share, that we all want. We all want good paying jobs in our communities. We want safe communities. We want uh, good schools for our kids and opportunities for them to not only broaden their horizons and to do well, but also to be able to come back to their hometowns if they want to. And if you've got small towns that are dying because the schools aren't funded and the roads are falling apart and it's not attracting any new business and all this sort of thing, then people are fleeing those. So my platform is a reflection of what I've been talking to people in the district about. I've been uh, campaigning for a year now. Mm-hmm. And just having these conversations. Well, you know, how's your family doing? How are your kids doing? What, you know, what does your job look like? How has your day been? You know, just having regular conversations with people and understanding what their life looks like. I'm originally from a smaller town. And so that smaller town pace of life is um, something I identify with more than I live in the township where it's much more urban. And I realized my kids are growing up as city kids. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, we, we, we got to get out in the country more and moo with the cows and, you know, <laughs> see more green and that sort of thing. But, but it is nice to be close to everything, too. And, you know, with a big university close by, you know, we've got lots of cultural things that we can participate in. This morning I took my daughter to the zoo and it was, you know, 10 minutes away. So, you know, that's, those are the advantages of living in a more urban area. So, yeah, my platform is designed to reflect who we are and what our priorities are here. And, you know, these things have always been on the Democratic platform. It's just nobody really puts infrastructure and workers' rights right there, like the top line of what they're running on. Oh, everybody in Michigan is doing infrastructure this year, I tell you that. <laughs> 
because our roads are falling apart. Our, um, our police and fire staff are constantly under uh, cuts. You know, we have three sheriff's deputies to cover the entire county at any given time. So you wow. have one doing uh, road patrol and two people going out on calls. And that's just unacceptable that we have 120,000 people in this county and we have three deputies to cover the entire county. And, you know, Michigan is a big state. Our counties are a lot of um, a lot of ground to cover. I was speaking to a deputy a couple weekends ago and she said they have an explorer that they've had a year. It already has over 100,000 miles on it wow. in a year. So, you know, infrastructure is really high on everyone's list now because we can see it. We can see it in the roads. We see it every day in the news when we talk about Flint and we talk about PFAS infestation coming from um, the Grand Rapids area, which is a contaminant in the soil from um, tanning leather for making shoes. And that's a contaminant that's coming in. So, you know, it's what we can see in the roads, but it's also what we can't see in our water delivery systems, in our ground, that sort of thing. So um, infrastructure is really big. Workers' rights. Michigan is the birthplace of the UAW, strong unions, workers' rights, all that sort of thing. It's what gave birth to our vibrant middle class in this state. And it's dying. Our middle class is dying here. There aren't good paying jobs for people, even with college degrees. I've talked to people who said, I have two sons. One has a college degree and one's a skilled trade worker. And the skilled trade worker can find work, but he's still underemployed. And the, the college education one is definitely underemployed. You know, and then when you add college debt on top of that, mm -hmm. you know, we, we need to address why the middle class is falling apart here. It's because we're a right to work state. It's because our legislature just this past month um, repealed prevailing wage for our construction workers. So now anyone can bring any workers in here, bid low, get contracts with our state for building projects, bring in undocumented workers, out-of-state workers, pay them whatever they want, you know, and exploit these people and their need for good-paying jobs. So workers' rights and infrastructure, our public schools, these, again, are the priorities of the people that I am representing and, and you know, myself. Well, before we get, you know, too far into your platform, let's mm -hmm. go ahead and get you introduced so people know sure. who you are. Yep. Um, so who are you and for what are you running? My name is Beth Bowen, and I am running for state representative in Michigan in District 71, which covers most of Eaton County. We are just west of the state capital of Lansing. So why did you decide to run? I decided to run because I wanted to help. I wanted to show what one person could do in dis dispelling that helplessness of, oh, something else is going on. Something horrible is happening to people. And, you know, I'm helpless to do anything. So I thought I can run for office. I can step up and volunteer and be that one person to do something. But what I've found in campaigning is that a campaign is not a sole proprietorship by any means. So I say I'm one person who's doing something, but I could not do this without my army of volunteers and supporters, you know, people who give me $5, people who give me five hours of their time to go out door knocking or to man a table at a festival, to march in a parade, bring their kids along, that sort of thing. 
So I decided because I want to solve problems for people, I want to help, and I believe that our state government can work for all families, that what's good for other people's family is good for my family too. It's not an either or proposition that we can lift everybody up and we can focus on economic development. We can bring in good jobs and businesses. We can support our public universities and have all of those things in addition to providing great public schools and strong social services for people who need it. And why did you decide on running for state rep rather than doing something you know, more local or even going the opposite way, going more national? Yeah, and that's, that's a question I get because it, it is kind of a... Uh, you know, a, a big first step for me. This is my first campaign. But when I looked at what I really wanted to have an impact on, public education, our infrastructure, you know, solving these problems, I started going regularly to the coffee hours of my state rep of the seat that I am running for. And the issues that people were bringing up are the kinds of things that I want to work on. I want to craft solutions for. And I also am very much drawn to the idea of working in a group. And the legislature is one of those things. You're not the governor. You're not the president. You're not the mayor. You're not that one person in the executive branch. The idea of working with other uh, creative and motivated professionals to craft these solutions and to make people's lives better, that really appealed to me. So it's the issue that kind of elevated me to the state house, you know, ahead of maybe county commission or school board. But then the idea of being part of a group of people that work together, um, that appealed to me more than uh, an executive position. And I love what you're saying about being part of a group. I could really feel that in your campaign website and materials and things like that it's less about you as the candidate and more about like what your community wants like talk to me tell me what you want and I think that's such a great way to run a campaign yeah that's what I tell people I say I'm the volunteer that that put my name on this and you know I'm putting in some work and you know passion and energy but it's not all about me it can't be all about me it's representing other people. That's the whole point. And so I need to get out there and meet people and hear their stories, hear about the single mom who's struggling with two children with special needs and an ex-husband who is is not paying any child support, the, you know, the married couple who are struggling because the wife can't work anymore because of this rare genetic disorder that she has um, developed, and then both their children have it as well. You know, then there are the small business owners who are struggling to pay their energy bills because they have to pay commercial rates instead of residential rates. And it's just cost prohibitive for these small businesses. You know, so these are the stories I'm hearing. The veteran who stood at his door and said, well, I'm all for you, except I'm not for abortion. I cannot be for abortion. And I said, okay, so tell me, tell me about that. I said, what if your daughter was pregnant on the table the placenta had abrupted she's bleeding out it's either the baby or your daughter and that child is not gonna survive outside of of the uterus anyway and he said oh well that's not the same thing and i said well there you go now we're speaking the same language about what is abortion and why is that a health necessity 
in some cases for some mm -hmm. women. It's not just, you know, oh, you know, I messed up and I'm just going to go take a pill and, and that sort of thing. Sometimes that is the case. And that's fine too, but we really need to be careful about how we talk about these things. And that's why I need to get out there and stand in front of people and say, tell me your story, tell me what you're thinking, and let's dialogue about that. So what motivated you to say, you know, this is my time, I'm running this race right now? <laughs> uh, well, you know, look at the country, look at how many <laughs> women are running now. And it's just amazing to be a part of history and so many women and, you know, Emily's List has had 10,000 women reach out to them. And, you know, we're seeing all of these programs emerging to train women to run. And you read these articles about these women who, you know, have done this, this whole list of things in their lives. And then they say, I wasn't sure I was qualified to run. It's like, oh my goodness, get out there and do that. You are overqualified. You are eminently mm -hmm. qualified. And so I went to the march in Washington the women's march and with my best friend and it was it was a moment of history and it was so inspiring to listen to the speakers and to speak to other people there and just look around and just see all of the people and the fact that millions of people were there or hundreds of thousands of people were there and there were zero arrests that the, we walked past the police and said thank you for being here and taking care of us and they're like we're glad you're here we're it's good to see you and things like that I mean, it's so inspiring to see so many people come together and, and be kind to each other and helpful. And that was what propelled me to look for more ways to get involved. So then I started community organizing and educating voters and meeting people in my community. And like I said before, it's, you know, I kept saying, well, what more can I do as an individual? And so the next step was to run for office and then sought out which office that I wanted to run for. Have you always been political? No, no, I, I have not. I have actually in past years studiously avoided watching the news, keeping up on it because I always felt like awful things were happening and there was nothing I could do about it. And I didn't want to listen to it. I didn't want to be faced with it every single day. And I still have to, you know, practice self-care where I can pay attention and take it in for only so long and then I have to stop and I have to you know, spend time with my kids, go to the movies, do something that, that's just for me, go have a pedicure. So that way I can just unplug for a little while. But then I start to crave being plugged back into what's going on and what I can do. And I think that you'll see that with a lot of people, people who are running for office, people who aren't running for office. What it gives you is that ability to say, this is a concrete action that I am going to take. I am going to do X, Y, and Z to make a difference. And that right there dispels that hopelessness immediately. And then you start to feel like, you know, okay, I'm doing something. I'm making a difference in other people's lives and it's making a difference in my life. And so, you know, you can be quote unquote political part-time, you know, <laughs> A couple hours a week. You don't have to be a political junkie. You don't have to, you know, live and die by what's on CNN mm -hmm. or on Fox News, that sort of thing. You can make it a part of your life and stay informed, but not be overwhelmed by it. You know, and there are people who are going to go whole hog, and that's perfectly fine if that's your thing. Um, but I think you can find a balance, too. And so I was able to go from zero to finding a balance um, in in my engagement with political 
news and actions and all of those. What's your background? My background is actually in communications. I have mm-hmm. been a technical writer uh, for almost 20 years now and um, done business writing, technical writing, uh, education writing. I've also done um, training and teaching in a corporate setting, teaching adults, that sort of thing. So my background is in um, breaking down complex concepts or procedures into bite-sized steps in, a, in a, an organized fashion so that you can follow those steps and also breaking it down so people can learn it. You know, change is going to happen whether you want it to or not. That's external to us, but how we address that change, how we face it, that's our transition to the change. And when you're a trainer, a lot of what you do is you're helping people through that transition. You know, we call it learning, we call it education, that sort of thing. You're transitioning their worldview to that change. And I see that and my communication background really helping me in my job as a legislator because as things change, it's my job as a representative of the people to make sure they understand how that change affects them. I don't know if that's something that a lot of representatives or senators see as their job. But I see it as I'm there to be the point person and then I need to make sure that information flows out to the people that I am there as a proxy for. You know, we do proxy stuff in our investments and in business and that sort of thing. We call it representative in the government, but essentially it's the same thing. I'm a proxy. I'm voting on behalf of other people. And so I see my background my education, the things that I've done, and I've worked for big companies, small startups, I've worked for myself before, so I've run the gamut of employment types as well, and I can put all of that experience to work. Well, and the ability to take a complex issue and break it into a small, understandable piece, that, that might come in handy as a representative. Absolutely, <laughs> and, and my background in creative writing also, you know, telling stories and eliciting people's stories from them because that's how we really interact as human beings mm-hmm. is telling our stories. I'm telling you my story of how I got here and, and what's firing me up and what, you know, what has propelled me forward. And so when I talk to voters, that's what I want to know too. It's like, tell me your story. I just find it fascinating. Different people have had so many different experiences and I'll never have that exact same experience because I'll never be them. Mm-hmm. Well, what has the process of running been like for you so far? The process has been incredibly rewarding. And I don't like to say if I don't win because I plan to win. But <laughs> win or lose, I have already won with this experience because of the people I've met, the things I've learned, the things I've gotten to do that I would not have gotten to do otherwise. Uh, you know, the places that I've been, the people I've talked to, it, it's just been a really exciting and wonderful experience. People have told me until you hate it, you're not winning. And I'm not sure that that's going to work for me because I still love everything. When I get ready to go out and knock doors, it's like I crave it. I crave that interaction with people so that I can feel like I'm really digging in and understanding the district. Um, some of the things haven't been as fun. Fundraising, I can tell you, is not my favorite thing, but I've done it. I have asked friends, family, you know, I've cold called people and all this sort of thing. It's not fun, but it is part of it until we change that system 
and get that money out of campaigns, you have to do it. So um, the process has been uh, not painful. <laughs> I quit my job. I quit my job a year ago um, and spent last summer mostly with my kids, but did some fundraising and, and a little campaigning and that sort of thing. But I thought I want to give my kids one summer with mom before I really start doing this because God knows I'm going to be super busy going forward. Mm-hmm. So, um, so then after that, so, so I've been doing this full time. So I have two full time jobs. I'm a candidate full time and I'm a mom full time. And both of those jobs pay exactly zero dollars. <laughs> but, but they're both incredibly rewarding and great experiences and they feed each other and inform each other. And I love both of them. So it's been a great experience. Have you faced any obstacles that like you weren't expecting or something that's really surprised you? What surprises me is that people think that they're alone. Mm-hmm. I knock on their door. And I say, hi, I'm Beth. I'm a Democrat running in this district. And they say, I thought I was the only Democrat. (laughs) No, you're not. And I've got a whole list of people who are also Democrats and we're Mm -hmm. here, but we're just not necessarily connecting with each other. We're, you know, living our lives. And so I'm surprised that we aren't reaching out to each other more and that we don't know each other more. Um, And hopefully we can remedy that. We can start to feel like we can have those connections to each other and that that's a good thing, that that's a strength thing for us. How can people get involved with your campaign if they're interested? Oh my goodness. Lots of different ways. Uh, We always need volunteers and you can fill out a form on my website, votebethbowen.com to volunteer. You can send us an email at info at votebethbowen.com. We are also on Facebook and Twitter. You can get a hold of the campaign there. Uh, So volunteering is a big one Uh, with door knocking, with calling, with uh, going to events. As I said before, you can um, do behind the scenes stuff where you coordinate other volunteers. Another way is to donate money, uh, small amounts, big amounts, whatever you can afford, do a recurring amount. You know, if you want to donate $25, but you don't have it all right now, set it up to donate $5 over five months. You know, that that makes it, puts it down into bite-sized chunks, but you're able to support the way you want to. Um, Tell other people. Do you know people in my district? If you don't live here, but you know people here, tell them, oh, I heard about this person and I really liked what she had to say. Here, go check her out. Because that person-to-person connection is so important. When someone vouches for me and says, hey, my friend is doing this, you should check her out. That is second only to when someone says, I'll vote for you. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing thing when someone says, you've got my vote. It gives me chills and I'm just like, wow, you know, that someone would take their American right to have a vote in every election and say, I'm going to give it to you because I believe in you. That is an amazing feeling. And then right under that is, I believe in you. I'm going to recommend you to my friends. You know, that's like bigger than recommending a movie, you know, and then, oh God, what if they hate it? You know, recommending a candidate. So um, those, those are the ways to get involved. 
in any campaign. And I encourage you to look around, you know, anyone who's listening to this, look at the candidates in your area and don't just look at the national candidates, look at the local ones, look at your township, your county, your school board, your city, you know, this is where decisions are being made that really impact your everyday life and your community of where you are right now. And it's easy to get wrapped up in the national stuff because it makes the news and it's it's loud and it's splashy. But it's the little things and it's the smaller areas that we really need to um, take control of and make sure that they are representing what the people want. All the people or a majority of the people, not just the squeaky wheels. That's what you're seeing now is that we've had a tradition of the people who are unhappy getting together and influencing these elections and these boards and that sort of thing, but they're not necessarily a majority. They're just an unhappy group that are motivated to get in there and say, we want X, Y, and Z. So Mm -hmm. look in your own area, um, see who you can meet with. And I I bet you that if you reached out to a candidate and said, I would like some one-on-one time with you, I'd like to sit down with you because I really want to understand who you are and be a part of your campaign, that they would be thrilled to do that with you, you know, because that is the key to um, getting votes, to getting elected, and to being a good representative at any level is knowing the people that you're representing. Do you have a primary, or have you already had one? My primary is coming up on August 7th, and I do, there are two other candidates in the primary, So we're looking at uh, a three-way primary, uh, two women and one man. And there are also uh, four on the other side of the uh, fence, if you will, who have a primary for the same seat because there is no incumbent. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot for Mm -hmm. one seat. Yep. One last question here. What is one piece of advice that you have for a woman who might be listening to this and thinking about running for office? You can do it. You, you can do anything. You know, I have a little girl who's four years old and I thought sure that by now she would be able to look at the news and see a woman in the White House. And I'd be able to say to her, look, she's the president of our country and you can be someday too. We can't say that yet, but look at everything that is happening. And I would say if you want to do it and you have a passion for helping people and for Uh, hearing stories, telling stories, representing the people who need your protection and your help from whatever government platform you you choose to run for, you can do it. Reach out to friends, family, reach out to your local parties, that sort of thing. Start gathering that group of people together. You will find like-minded people who will think that you are a great candidate and you can do it and they will step up and they will support you. And that's what counts. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. This was, you know, I really wanted to be able to do this. Like I said, I I reached out to you. And so I'm (laughs) so glad we could connect. And that's it for today. Thanks to Beth Bowen for talking to me. You can find out more about her and her campaign at VoteBethBowen.com. She's also on Facebook at Beth Bowen for MI State Representative, and you can find her over on Twitter at at Beth Bowen MI. You can find She's Running on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at at She's Running Pod. If you like what I'm doing here, 
please tell a friend about the show. And take a second to go rate the show on Apple Podcasts. It'll help give us a boost so that more people can find out about this little thing I'm doing here. And that's it for today. Thanks. Talk to you soon.